the QMC Board and Collar Series for EMS Professionals, welcomes you to Excuse My Medic, the podcast version of an MCI with Gary Harvat, Chuck Humphrey, and Ed Marasco. Excuse My Medic takes a unique look at today's emergency medical service with news and information, opinionated discussions, lively talk, sporadic jabs, and even a few belly laughs from our world of emergency medical services. Excuse My Medic is brought to you by Quick Med Claims, a national leader in emergency medical service revenue cycle management and reimbursement consulting. Now, hang on to the bench seat and tighten your lap belt as these old guys from EMS Past take you on a Code 3 ride without touching the brakes. You've had the disclaimer, and if you're still brave enough to stick it out, let's get started. Take it away, guys. Well, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome. It's good to have so many of you here today, and I see there are still folks filing into our webinar today. Uh, We're delighted that you chose to spend a few minutes with us to learn more about uh, the cost data collection system, and I hope the the information we provide is both helpful and informative uh, for you in the long term. Um, My name is Gary Harvat. I'm the Director of Client Services with ClickMed Claims, and I have two great colleagues joining me today. First. Hey, uh, Chuck Humphrey here uh, from the Business Development Team. Welcome, everyone. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. It's uh, Ed Marasco from uh, the Business Development Team as well. We're kind of spread all over the countryside, folks. And if you've listened to our podcasts before, especially the one that the three of us uh, appear on, excuse my medic, uh, we, uh, we're we used to doing this together. So hopefully uh, we'll come off as a very well-oiled machine. Uh, let's hope it stays that way. So let's talk a little bit about where all this came from. And I recognize that um, you know, as we've talked to a number of our clients and friends, uh, some folks have been truly, truly uh, knowledgeable and understanding of what's going on. They've paid attention to this very closely over recent months, while others um, just really not sure of it. And then we've had some who never heard of this thing before. And that's okay. That's okay. There's a lot of time and nobody should be nerved out about this. Uh, I believe from our client list, we had about 148 clients. Uh, that have been notified um, that they will be part of the cost data collection process um, this coming year. Again, no reason to lose your marbles. We've got lots of time. And for those of us that are going to be working within the calendar year 2020, you even have more time to submit. And we'll cover that as we go through today's program. But this process itself, folks, is really nothing new. It didn't come out of the clear blue with ET3 or with uh, the Trump administration. It really has been out there for a while. Most of you have heard about the words bonus payments, and they've been giving extensions to Medicare bonus payments time and time again. Well, finally, finally, Medicare said very simply, listen, we're going to give you another extension, but we want to know what the costs are. And that's really boils down to the Bipartisan Bipartisan Budget Act of 2018, where it added a new paragraph in um, that requires that Medicare finalize regulations for ground ambulance data collection system by what? Uh Uh-oh, December 31st, 2019. That's now. So now all of a sudden folks are getting letters, getting notified, and there's a lot of hullabaloo going on. So CMS is saying they must specify the data collection system, identify the providers and suppliers required to submit information each year through the year 2024, and then no less than once every three years thereafter. Um, It also must collect data on the utilization of capital equipment and ambulance capacity. Um, So it's looking at a very, very large and global perspective of your overall operation. We've had some folks who've called us and said, uh, is this something that just is going to be from a reimbursement standpoint? No, not at all. They're going to be looking at uh, your staffing, your insurance, your ambulance services, your square footage, what part of your personnel is devoted to ambulance uh, for those of you that maybe have a fire-based program versus in the fire service. So they're going to be looking at all different types of costs. And yes, I'm not going to lie to you. Some of the information that you may be asked for can be a little challenging. It's going to take some time. It's going to take some some, um, effort on your part to keep your nose to the grindstone, pay attention to things that are going on. Um, You'll see a website at the end of our presentation today 
Uh, for those of you that are going to be working on this, who whose numbers have been drawn, uh, you want to pay attention to things that are going on within um, the process, so you can stay on top of things and get your inform get your uh, information submitted successfully. Um, so they're saying that. CMS is saying that must be a representative sample of the type of providers and suppliers, such as emergency services, government organizations, fire-based services, pr uh, private providers, and of course, this thing has teeth. Now, this is where everybody seems to be getting caught up around the axle here. Um, don't lose your mind over this. Just submit things according to the dates and times that they're asking for, and you'll be fine. So, but it does say if a provider or supplier doesn't sufficiently report, then a 10% payment reduction in the ambulance fee schedule will be applied. Um, we all know that the Medicare reimbursement rate does not meet our costs. Uh, I read an article several, oh my goodness, probably a couple years ago now that's uh, quoted what it costs to pull an ambulance out, out of the garage. Now, this number has surely gone up, but I think the number they quoted at that time was around 560 bucks. So, if your Medicare payment is like 435 or 450, it's already costing you money to go out the door. Surely, surely, folks, you don't need a 10% penalty. So, you have to, you have to comply. Uh, my worry is that some folks won't take this seriously and uh, they'll be the ones who end up getting caught in the end or trying to complete this 41-page uh, um, tool, which I have here in front of me, um, at the last minute. You just can't do that. So you got to stay on top of things, and it's really important uh, as you move forward to pay attention to every facet, every facet uh, of the letter that you may have already received or will be receiving at some point down the road. And this is what the letter looks like. So this is the letter, the dreaded letter. Uh, and it comes from your MAC. In this case, this letter is from the Palmetto Group. Uh, and it basically says that your organization was chosen by your NPI number. Uh, your collection of information is surely required. And if you don't report, there's a penalty for that. So pay attention to the letters. Uh, the problem being sometimes, and I recognize that that has, this happens in many organizations is these letters come in, sometimes they go to a post office box, sometimes they go to a chief's desk, sometimes they go to an EMS chief's desk, and they sit there. This is something that you need to pay attention to. Don't let this thing sit on your desk for three weeks, three months, six months down the road, uh, and you'll hear as we go through today's program, we'll be instilling that upon you. That is not to scare you, but it is just simply to state this is a formal process, it is uh, required to be done, and it's something that all of us have to pay strict attention to. So with that, I'm going to turn the next section over to uh, my colleague, Ed Marasco. But before I do that, uh, I wanted to uh, see if any of you had any questions. Um, what, let's see. One of the questions is, are all of the letters already out to the services required to document the information in this coming year? And it's my understanding that, yes, letters have begun to come out. I don't know for a fact that all the letters are out yet. It was my understanding originally that the letters weren't going to come out until December. Chuck or Ed, do you want to chime in on that? Well, I would just, uh, I would just add, Gary, that the, you know, the letters may or may not be out completely, but the list is out and published and available for review on the website. And uh, one of the things that I fear, and I think we've talked about this as a team, is, uh, you know, the NPI information is not necessarily always up to date for all the agencies. And I was going to talk about that a little bit in, in my portion of the presentation, but my fear is the letter may have gone to someone who's not really involved anymore or uh, um, based on some wrong information to the wrong address. So um, it also, another question that we have is the requirement only for ground ambulances or were air ambulances be included as well? Chuck? No, it's, it, this is strictly a ground ambulance. <clears throat> Excuse me. However, if you are an air ambulance organization that has a ground component, um, you will be included. But this is strictly ground ambulance reporting. 
So I'm, I'm thinking that all the letters um, are not out yet. I would anticipate that even into the month of December, which is just a few days away, uh, you'll, you'll still get those. So, you know, um, but the list is pretty comprehensive and uh, we will provide the website for you. A couple of people asked where they can get the list um, before the program ends today. So with that, uh, we'll keep going on here. And uh, again, ask your questions. I'll compile them here as the, as the guys go through the presentation and uh, um, pose them at the appropriate time. Ed? Thanks, Gary. Thanks very much. And thanks to everyone for being here. Um, it's, uh, it's interesting. It's interesting times. Uh, the sampling uh, has been identified. And as you're probably aware, uh, the objective is to uh, uh, get reporting from all those agencies uh, that provided some services to a Medicare beneficiary, some ambulance services to a Medicare beneficiary, starting in the base year and for, and for the first year of data collection, that base year is 2017. So if you are a live ambulance service and you provided service to a Medicare beneficiary, you are on the list, as they say, in the system. Um, and then at that point, uh, the effort is to uh, uh, go by NPI numbers or national provider identifiers and select 25% um, of the NPIs in each year over the subsequent four years. So uh, as, we, as we mentioned just a few minutes ago, making sure your information, your organization or your NPI is up to date is incredibly important. Uh, if you wanna see what information uh, is uh, currently in play for your NPI, you can go to the website npps.cms.hhs.gov to look up your NPI, and that's information you can get from your billing shop, uh, or you may have it, it's, it's probably uh, published on some documentation that you have around the office. But you might wanna take a quick look just to make sure name, address, and, and authorized contact information is up to date uh, so that uh, the right people get the right messaging and information about your organization. And uh, the, uh, the sample that, uh, that uh, the CMS is looking for is sort of stratified by a number of different areas. They're trying to get information from people from various uh, volume sizes, service areas, density ownership types, and so on. So the idea is that this is a cross sampling uh, of uh, folks that are out there providing the work. Now the sample size itself, as we mentioned, is 25% of the agencies and uh, there's no way to escape this folks. If you provided services uh, last year or the year before, uh, you're gonna be a part of the mix. And as we move forward, uh, those base years will move forward as well. So uh, whether you go in 2020, 2021, 2022, 23 or 24, uh, over the next four years, all of the NPI numbers will indeed be included at least one time. And then of course, in subsequent years, uh, the idea is that um, all the agencies will be uh, serviced, that will be surveyed at least every three years. Um, and then again, it's supposed to cover all the subgroups, uh, various organizations, whether you're fire-based or um, uh, whether you're a municipal third service, what have you, uh, will be included. Now, the instrument, which Gary alluded to a little earlier, is interesting. It's going to look uh, to try and identify information about uh, the labor that you use, structure of the organization, services provided, uh, the cost certainly, uh, and the revenue as well. And uh, as you might be aware, there's over 10,000 individual EMS or ambulance providers uh, that provide services to Medicare recipients uh, every year. So it's a pretty sizable group. And it's interesting, one of the questions that often uh, we get asked, um, you know, I operate my agency and we have several NPI numbers. So that's a good news, bad news scenario for you. If you operate your agency under several NPI numbers, um, you're only required to respond on behalf of the NPI number that is selected. So if you, one of your NPI numbers uh, was selected this year, uh, you'll have to report only for that particular entity, which may or may not be a positive thing. You may have to divide out some of your operation to be able to report on a discrete NPI number. Uh, and if you happen to operate under a couple of NPI numbers, uh, and you get uh, uh, selected one each for the next four years, the good news is you get lots of practice and be very good at gathering the data and submitting it to the agency. Uh, so uh, good luck with that if you have multiple NPI numbers. But uh, we, we hope that you, uh, uh, that you, you know, at least uh, get a chance to get your ducks in the row before it's time to submit. Uh, 
So let's talk a little bit about uh, the data collection system itself. And uh, essentially, it's going to be for a 12-month period. It's a continuous or contiguous 12-month period. Now, the interesting thing, and this is something you should be thinking about right now if you were one of those lucky folks who got a letter, is you have a choice. Uh, you can go with the calendar year, 2020, so the reporting period or the data collection period starts January 1 of 2020 and runs um, through the end of the year. You also have the option to declare that you would prefer to have your 12-month period your fiscal year. So a number of you out there have a fiscal, financial, or budget year that looks different than the calendar year. Perhaps it's a July 1 to June 30th. And so you have that option to declare which period you want to report on or which you want to be your data collection period. But you have to let uh, CMS know, know that right away. And so there is a place on the letter that you receive, uh, as well as on the CMS website, to identify what you would want your year to be. That's important. You can't choose the next fiscal year. So if you are uh, if you were planning to sort of get some some time to be able to get your ducks in a row, um, you can't say our fiscal year starts February 1st and we're going to try and report beginning with February 1st of 2021, either the calendar year 20 or fiscal year beginning in whatever date that is in 20 has to be the beginning point of your data collection. We do that for uh, as I mentioned for 12 months, and then of course uh, at the end of the 12 month period you'll have a five month window to report out your data. And so the idea is if you do uh, January 1 to December 31 of 20, uh, you'll have to report that data sometime before uh, May of 21. Okay, um, the type of preparation, this has uh, been the point of some, some debate and as Gary mentioned, I think Chuck mentioned this as well. Look, it's always folks to get, uh, best folks to get your ducks in a row. So uh, if you haven't already looked at the data collection instrument, it's uh, 43, 44 pages, something like that. You should take a look at that pretty quickly to make sure you understand it. It's not just the idea of collecting the data and looking at the individual definitions, but I think you have to put some thought into how the definitions relate to one another. What I get concerned about this is a very important exercise for us. We've been talking about this for quite a few years that uh, we're underpaid for Medicare for the work that we do. And so while this is a bit of a burden for those who are gonna have to report this year, next year, the following year and so forth, it's an opportunity for our industry also to demonstrate the cost of doing business and, and how woeful, uh, woefully inadequate our reimbursement is. So when you start to look at those definitions, you wanna make sure that you understand them properly and that you're counting apples to apples as you're answering the questions about your volume and answering the questions about your labor and answering the questions about um, supply cost and all those sorts of things. You wanna make sure you've read through the definitions and you're making sure you compare apples to apples. So very important to, uh, to understand the document uh, and some of the choices that they're going to give you when you start to compile your data and of course report it. As I mentioned, you should notify your Medicare administrative contractor uh, which 12-month period you want to you want to um, select as your reporting period, and then of course begin the begin the data collection process itself. And I think Chuck mentioned it earlier. Very very important. Most agencies, probably the majority of the agencies, have some level of sort of um, support or uh, maybe some some revenue that's not um, very straightforward and might the information might have to come from another agency. So. You're on the hook for this, it's your agency's responsibility, but if you rely on other folks like your municipality or your fire department partners or whatever um, to produce some of the data that you'll need to report on, you wanna make sure you talk to those folks and help educate them about how you want them to extract the data that applies to your organization. So for example, if you're a hospital-based transport agency, you need to be talking to your finance folks uh, about gathering up the cost of the, the rent that they don't probably charge you, they may not charge you, but how they allocate the cost of that rent to your organization or to your division of the organization. So making sure that you're not waiting till the last minute to ask those questions uh, so that all the information can be compiled properly uh, and give folks a chance to ask you questions as well. And then of course, as I mentioned, you have that five month period uh, to go ahead and get online and submit the data tool uh, as required. So uh, with that, let's talk a little bit about what happens if you don't, um, and again, incredibly important, couldn't impress upon you enough that this is a tool for us to help educate um, uh, MedPAC about what it costs to do work um, and about our reimbursement profile right now. So, um, of course, you have that option if you elect not to report 
You can take the 10% payment reduction, which will begin in that year following the submission requirement. Uh, as, again, our reimbursement from Medicare is, uh, is certainly under what it costs to do, do the work that we do. And uh, giving up another 10% certainly doesn't make much sense to us. So uh, uh, as you move forward, please, if you would err on the side of considering uh, uh, submitting the information as opposed to not. However, if for some reason you can't submit or you decide not to, your organization will be subject to a 10% reduction in payment for the subsequent year um, uh, of reimbursement. So uh, it's a pretty big hit. Now, if something happens that you are unable to submit, so let's say you're in your five-month window, you've captured your data, a good portion of it, you're in your five-month window, and something significant happens to your organization, involved in a natural disaster, um, you've had some reorganization, you have a significant leadership changeover that caused you to have to go back and relook at the information, any of those kinds of things. You are, uh, there is an opportunity to apply to CMS for a hardship exemption. That doesn't exempt you from having to submit the information. It simply buys you more time to extend the window. You will ultimately have to submit the information for, for the base year or the year, the, year, the data collection year um, at some point. But um, you can get an exemption that will allow you to defer out of that five-month window um, in, in reporting, um, uh, reporting the required data. Now, if something happens during the data collection year that you do know Medicare, I'm sorry, you do know ambulance transport, not Medicare transports, but if you simply, uh, um, the agency goes on hiatus or, or perhaps um, uh, something catastrophic happens, you lose a vehicle, whatever the case may be, and you don't do any transports during that year period, you're going to be asked the question at the beginning of the survey, uh, how many transports did you do? Uh, how many calls did you respond to? Those sorts of things. If you respond zero, then you're sort of not going to have to go any further in the process. But if you did any transports during the data collection year, um, then you're going to be required to report however many that may be. You may begin the year not doing transports, and you may do more, do some near the end of the year, you'll be required to report, and vice versa. If you begin the year doing transports, and let's say for some unknown reason you go out of business, um, you still have to report uh, on that on the, the transports that you did during that year. Okay, so the data availability. This is an interesting thing. Uh, you know, there is going to be some reporting out of the information, um, and of course, CMS is going to make that information available to the website, uh, and we believe that the data will be public. Um, publicly available at least every two years for those of us to take a look at. And uh, we expect uh, some summary results from the first year to be posted uh, towards the end of 2022. But more important than these things really is um, the fact that this data is going to be compiled and probably at some point around the same time, it's going to be reported off to MedPAC uh, for them to be able to assess the adequacy of reimbursement. And just one, just a side note on that uh, um, from a personal experience. You know, when we put the ambulance fee schedule together uh, way back in 1997, we already knew that the data was going to be flawed because the cost data was very limited, particularly on the ground ambulance side. It wasn't complete because not all ambulance services were required to do cost reporting, just the hospital-based services. But then the law said that our reimbursement was going to increase each year by the CPI minus 1%. And of course, the CPI is an estimate, is an estimate of, of the cost of doing business. So we know... The, the fee schedule has been in place, fully implemented since 2001 or 2002, and we've lost ground every year by 1%. And here we are sitting in 2019, probably being at least 20% below uh, the cost of doing business. And some would argue that. So this really is a tremendous opportunity for us to provide some evidence um, to the decision makers in Washington, D.C. to give us the, the help that we desperately need. So with that, um, I'm going to stop and see if there are any questions at this juncture of the program. Okay, gentlemen, we actually do have a number of questions, so uh, feel free to speak up. The first question is, uh, are there any specific benefits to choosing calendar year versus fiscal year time period? Um, I don't think so. I think it's a matter of preference. Um, uh, I, 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 add, uh, I, I don't see any reason why that would make a difference. You still have to report. It's a matter of, uh, I think it, they wanted to allow for people to tie in 
to how they're doing their cost reporting now. I think it's also a matter of how you report your, if you're a nonprofit, your 990 or your tax uh, filings with the IRS. I, I really think it gives that flexibility. So if someone is doing a fiscal year, they don't need to recreate the wheel. They can uh, kind of um, piggyback off of what they're already doing. Great. Yeah, Chuck, I agree completely. I think it comes down to an accounting exercise, right? So if you're, if you're doing your budget and you're planning and you're implementing new programs at the beginning of your fiscal year, and let's say that happens to be uh, February 1, then it might make sense to have uh, request that to be your reporting year because you're doing other financial exercises for that same period. Um, of course, the calendar year, uh, you'll be finishing up in December, uh, trying to compile some data in January, February. So um, certainly it might be easier to do that than if the end of your five month window, let's say you had a July 1 to June 30th fiscal year, if the end of your five month window is coming into the holiday season, November, December, you know, do you want that extra pressure? So I think it's a question of what, what fits best for your organization and the way you operate. Great. Thanks, gentlemen. Along those lines, another question, our organization's fiscal year is July 1st to June 30th. If we select fiscal year for reporting, it will be 20 20 to 2021 is this acceptable and um, I'm not sure I'm reading this right but you're actually already in fiscal year 20 uh, if you started in July 1st yeah I think uh, Gary I think the requirement is uh, if you collect if you select the July 1 fiscal year if that's your fiscal year then your data collection year will begin July 1 of 20 and run through June 30 of 21 and your required reporting would be, you know, five months thereafter. So let's say late fall of 21. So you could buy yourself, if you went with a fiscal year, you could buy yourself another six months um, to get prepared and to begin your, you know, you put your pieces in place to begin your data collection. Good. Next question. Did the letter state you only need to notify Medicare within 30 days if you're choosing to use fiscal? To actually go back and look at that. We'll check that and get back to you. I'm not exactly sure on that one, Hyde. I believe, and, and look at the letter, Gary, but I thought you had to report which method you were choosing, but I, yeah, I did too, uh, I'm foggy on that. Yeah, I'll check that before we're done. I'll get back to her. Um, next question. Um, this is actually a good question. I have a provider that renders services in two states, so they have two NPIs. They've received a ground data request from their MAC for the NPI in which they only render air or rotor transports. How does the provider complete the request if there is no ground data to provide? My suggestion to you would be contact your MAC for starters. Yes, I, I agree 100%. I would contact the MAC to clarify. And, and in some cases, uh, the agencies may have done ground transports in the past, so that particular NPI might have a record of, a, of ground transports, let's say, in 2017 or earlier, and maybe that's why it stayed on the list, but if you're currently not doing any ground transports on that NPI number, uh, ultimately you will not be expected to report on the year. Now, if you happen to do some during the year, um, then you will have to report on Sure. Um, question again, does this apply to all rural, all volunteer ambulance services? The answer to that is yes. Yes. All ambulance services. Doesn't matter. Rural, urban, super rural, everyone will be included. Okay. And uh, another question, as you are the billing company and collection company for our services, what is your role in this documentation? I will tell you that there are specific sections within the uh, assessment tool that will require uh, reports probably from us. However, the vast majority of the information uh, that is within the questionnaire per se is uh, really related to your day-to-day -day operations and not necessarily related in great detail to billing. There are financial sections which we will surely be supportive of and get you the information you need, but I don't want to uh, state that this is uh, an all billing, all finance uh, assessment tool. It is not by any means, shape, or form. Yeah, this is a cost reporting. So we, you know, costs and revenue, two different things, but we have to remember this is a cost reporting tool. Um, we wanted to do this webinar, guys. I think you can agree. So we got some information out there uh, and that we knew was one of the questions that would come up. And uh, so this is something that um, unfortunately, 
we can't totally 100% help you, but we certainly will have a piece of it. Uh, and, and for that, you reach out to your team uh, that provides your reports and we'll be able to give you the data uh, for the revenue part. Absolutely. I can tell you that our folks here have uh, have the tool and are looking right now at designing a packet per se of reports uh, that you will use based on the questions within the uh, the assessment tool. So hopefully that'll be helpful to you. Uh, one more question, then we'll move on, gents. Our tax year is different than our fiscal year, so which of those two choices is best? Hmm. I think it's, it really comes down to whatever works best for the organization from an accounting perspective. I don't think that the tax year makes a difference um, versus the accounting year. I think, uh, you know, just whatever makes the most sense. By the way, I do have an update from the letter. Oh, good. Thanks, Ed. I took a quick look and uh, you have 30 days to declare. If you do not select a specific reporting period, uh, within the 30 days, they will automatically I presume that you are going to be on a calendar year. So if you, if you don't, if you want to be on the calendar year, you need not respond. There you go. Okay. We'll move forward. Thank you all for your great questions. Keep them coming. We'll do our best to answer them as best we can. Chuck, all yours. Okay. All right. Well, uh, Thanks for um, the, so far, we've had some great information. I'm gonna double back uh, on a few things here, but uh, so I wanna make sure that everyone understands that when we're talking about this, um, especially where the revenue part comes in, it was what we'll talk about as we go on, this is not just a Medicare thing. And so we kind of get in a mindset when CMS is involved that, okay, this is Medicare, but uh, definitely this is not a simply Medicare thing. When we're talking about revenue and uh, those items, it will be everything. Uh, and, and the other point I want to make uh, just before we go too far, and I want to double back on something that Ed said, now is the time to start contacting your uh, associates, your partners. Um, if, if there are ambulance services out there that don't know about this yet, you can rest assured that those folks you need to work with to come up with some of these costs. Uh, you know, just off the top of my head, City Hall, or board members or uh, you know, people that you have to work with in order to obtain the cost information, they're really probably not in the know. So now's the time to pick up the phone, drop an email and say, hey guys, um, once you make you aware, this is coming up, let's sit down and talk about how we're gonna collaborate to pick up on some of this information. So uh, it is important that you guys get the word out, start talking with your partners, your accountants, uh, let them know that this is something that you're gonna to have to start moving on now in order to uh, comply. Uh, of course, you're gonna report services, costs, revenue, that's tallied over your organization's 12-month data collection period, the entire 12-month. So we definitely are cautioning you, do not report estimates. So don't you know get to 10 months in October and you see the holidays come up and say, well, if I did 10 months, then I'm gonna extrapolate and say, okay, uh, this times 12 is going to be, I, I, we do not recommend you do that. Again, we want to give a good, accurate cost reporting because we hope that we're going to be able to convince Congress that we need more money and anybody that cuts corners will just affect that overall reporting. And, and also you will need to collect cost information from outside of your organization uh, so if your municipality pays for things, uh, utilities, benefits, and I'll talk about that as we go on here, but want to make sure that you definitely understand that, the, you know, this is something you're going to have to go outside of your own organization, probably work with some folks to, to pick up uh, information uh, from there. Um, just to loop back, want to make sure that you guys understand the uh, concept of the NPI and, the, and also companion PACO. So the NPI is the National Provider Identifier, and that is maintained on the National Plan and Provider Enumeration System, or the NPPES. And I know Ed gave you the, um, uh, the web address for that earlier. Uh, also, this ties together with the Medicare Provider Enrollment Chain and Ownership System. We call that PECOS or P-E-C-O-S. And we, I mentioned this because when we had the question come up about did all the letters go out and Ed talked about it's a possibility the letter may have gone to 
someone who's no longer with your organization. This would be where that was generated from. So your NPI will be chosen as part of the sample. And then the uh, notification will be mailed to the address and to the authorized official that is on your PECOS record or your PECOS record. So now is the time to work together with the individuals, a part of your organization that maintain that, or to contact our credentialing people here at QuickMed uh, to be sure that you have the latest information. Many of you may have done a revalidation within the past several years, you most likely have or had to. Uh, and so it's as good as the last filing, your information will be up to date, as good as the last filing to those entities. So uh, right off the bat, make sure, and especially if you haven't been chosen in this first round, uh, don't wait until next year, uh, make sure, and especially by the end of this year, that your information is up to date with the latest persons and uh, address information that needs so, so the letter does arrive there uh, safely. So as we move forward here uh, in the next few minutes, we're going to talk about some broad categories that will be collected by this uh, process. So first of all, you're going to be reporting organizational characteristics about your service. You're going to be reporting on services provided, numbers, percentages, uh, of the type of service that you provide in ground ambulance. You're going to be reporting information, obviously, on the costs to provide that service. And then you're going to be reporting information on revenue that you will be collecting uh, as part of that. So whether your ground ambulance organization bills using one or more national provider identifiers, as we spoke about, you will need to report on each NPI. So those of you that say, okay, well, I've been chosen. Uh, if you have uh, multiple NPIs, two, three large organizations uh, uh, for different locations or different subgroups, uh, it could be that you have to report each year for the next four years and each one MPI, or uh, uh, you, know, you may be chosen in random that way. So uh, be prepared for that with multiples. Um, you will need to report the organization name and contact information on the online tool. Now, let me caution you too, um, the name as it appears for your organization within the PECOS system and then within the NPPES system ties back to the legal business name that is on file with the IRS. So again, make sure that that NPI record and the, and the corresponding PECOS record has that and then when you submit the name on the cost reporting tool, make sure that you're consistent in reporting the name exactly as it appears in those two records, because it will not be able to identify you, you won't get credit for filing, and more than likely it will kick back. You'll be reporting ownership types, so you'll be reporting whether or not your organization is a for-profit ground ambulance, a non-profit ground ambulance, and that's excluding government organizations, whether you're a government entity, such as a federal, state, county, city, township, or other municipal type organization, and whether you are a public or private partnership. So it is important that you pick the right level because the resulting questions that you will need to answer throughout the rest of the tool will predicate back to how you answer these initial questions on the model. And then um, you will also have to report uh, volunteer labor, and we'll talk about that as we come up, and also how your delivery model is. So your staffing model will need to be reported up front as to whether you're static, and that is that you have the same number of fully staffed round-the-clock ambulances on call all the time, or are you a dynamic system with staff units that vary by time of day or the day of the week? Or is it a combined model of different staffing levels based on time of day? And again, it's important you answer that correctly because that will uh, tail over to how the rest of the questions pop up. If you answer that incorrectly, then you'll be stuck with answering potentially questions that don't apply to your model. 
And then also whether or not you're a 911 service, not a 911 service or a blend of two, and whether or not you provide paramedic intercepts. Uh, they are going to capture that information. And so that will be uh, important for you to properly capture. And then I want to remind you that um, the, the zip codes for your primary and secondary area, this is something I see you might stress over a little bit. So let's just talk about that for a minute. It's going to be important that you first identify your primary service area and how it falls within the zip codes that you serve. So your primary service area would be those areas in which your ambulance service is exclusively or at least primarily responsible with providing service at one or more levels where it's highly likely that majority of your transports uh, pickups occur. Your secondary areas need to be reported and those would be the zip code of the point of origin areas where you regularly provide service through a direct mutual or auto aid agreement. Um, and then, of course, there are tertiary areas that you serve, but you will not be reporting these. And this would be like a mass CAS area where you're part of a disaster uh, drill or some area where you're never called except in the most uh, uh, high uh, you know, visibility or high area uh, of volume. So uh, you want to now sit down and determine. And actually, you probably have already done this as part of your Medicare filing for your revalidation. So use that information uh, accordingly. Uh, also for, for organizations responding to emergency calls, uh, you'll need to uh, record and report your trip and response times. And these are gonna be in uh, categories of less than 30 minutes, 30 to 60 minutes, 61 to 90 minutes, 91 to 120 minutes, 121 to 150 minutes, and then more than 150 minutes. And this is from the point where you are alerted to you are available for the next call. So you're going to have to start computing that. Uh, and then also look at uh, your combined ALS and BLS. Uh, and then is your service also incentivized with targets uh, to meet those times? So all of that will be important for you to follow. And then the counts of the service that you provided all broken out by category. So they'll be looking for you to report your total responses for all calls, um, your ground ambulance responses. They'll be looking for you to report the numbers of responses that did not result in a transport, your total transports, transports paid in full or in part by an insurer or a patient, there's where the payment information comes in. And also you're gonna be reporting your standby events and your intercepts. And then those service types all by percentage, uh, also broken out by subcategories uh, by the level that you're providing, be that a basic level, intermediate, or a paramedic level as well. And also, uh, you'll be reporting by the Healthcare Common Procedure Coding System. We call them HICSPIX codes. And this is ALS-1 emergency, ALS-9, BLS emergency, BLS non-emergency, ALS-2, specialty care transport, uh, and, and your intercepts. And then also, there will be mileage questions on there as well. And then they'll also ask you to report what number of transports percentage were interfacility in nature, being from a hospital or other provider, or a um, scene type of call, uh, such as a 911 uh, dispatch. And so costs are going to be collected by category. So as you move through the data collection tool, you'll be asked to report your labor costs, your facility costs your vehicle costs, the supplies and equipment costs that you uh, incur, 
and then a catch-all, you have the wonderful catch-all of other ambulance costs. And of course, um, that will just be, after you put it all together, you don't know where else something fits, that's gonna be the other area. And that will equate then to your total um, reporting for this part of the reporting tool. And then also, uh, you know, and here's where I think you're going to find that um, you're going to have some digging to do. And this is where you have your organization total costs, but your ground ambulance costs have to be extrapolated out of your total. So uh, those of you that are listening in today that are fire department based, um, you may be part of a police department uh, organization or uh, some other public safety uh, organization that also has a ground ambulance component, um, ground ambulance organizations that also offer air as we talked about, and then ground ambulance organizations that are providers of other healthcare services. For example, if your organization does uh, mobile integrated health or staff that helps out in a hospital ER in the downtime between calls, uh, education and training functions, uh, that kind of public education or global training that supports your organizations in some kind of outreach. These are where things will get sticky and you're reporting your costs and you need to spend some time breaking out the ground ambulance portion from everything else. Of course, you'll need to report your organization's total costs, even those unrelated to ground ambulance services. And there is a place in the data collection instrument for this number. But the other sections will require you to provide and detail the separation between those functions and pin down where the ground costs versus the total costs are coming from. So CMS wants to get a whole picture of what the percentage of a ground ambulance costs are as compared to the other functions that you provide. And I, I think moving forward, as we look to evolving into the kind of payment models we're looking at with ET3 and, and uh, the, uh, the other uh, demonstration programs, this is so they can start getting a vehicle together more than just the cost moving forward for the future of some of their determinations. So now we come up with the staffing and labor cost portion. And I'm gonna tell you guys, you chime in here, but I think this is probably gonna be the most difficult for all of us to break out because there are so many overlapping possibilities. I couldn't agree more, Chuck. Yeah, tricky to say the least, tricky. Yeah, this is where you're gonna to have to really spend a lot of time and, and it may be a little stressful, but look, um, again, if you get started on it right away, um, you know, this is why we say don't wait till the last minute because these kind of things aren't, aren't easily derived and it may take some time, a couple of meetings and, and looking over the numbers. But, um, you know, this is complicated even on the reporting tool. And honestly, we could spend a whole webinar just on this one section alone. But one important fact right off the bat, the report must include persons that began the year so even if later they leave your organization or they change roles, uh, their ground ambulance part, maybe they move into a supervisory or an admin role, it's important uh, to preserve your roster as of the beginning of January. Let me just point that out because later on, you're gonna go back and if you don't know who was involved at the beginning, you're gonna miss some of those costs. So uh, coming in a few weeks when we all ring Happy New Year, uh, that's the day when you want to make sure that you preserve your roster as what it was on that day one. And so you're going to be reporting your response staff, obviously, your EMTBs, your EMTIs, your Ps, uh, EMRs, and other people uh, such as ambulance drivers or non-EMTs or EMRs that contribute to your organization. Then you, they're going to ask as part of the reporting tool uh, to report your response staff, nurses, doctors, respiratory therapists, your medical director. Is he volunteering? Is he paid, he or she? Um, and then they're gonna ask you to break out your administration and facility staff uh, categories in the tool, such as maintenance personnel, uh, who also may be your EMTs on the response side. Uh, and this is something to be careful. They are, um, CMS is cautioning us to make sure that they, we don't double report 
So for example, in the tool, they give an example that if an individual performed primarily management duties, but also had billing or pre-billing duties, then you'll be including that person in the management category. But likewise, if you have an EMT that does maintenance in between calls, his time may be reported over in the EMS side and very little uh, of his costs be over in the maintenance side. So you wanna make sure that you work through that. And, and also, let me caution you guys, this is not something you have to sit down and do in one setting. You can start this, save it, go back to it. Uh, they have made that available. So you may look at these, some of these questions and say, oh boy, I need more info. You can save it, go back, pick it back up. And then some of the subcategories for reporting uh, are you know, administrative, clerical, HR, management, dispatch call center, maintenance facilities. Also caution, do not report contractor costs in the labor area. Strictly your labor costs uh, that are reported there. Then we get to the volunteer labor section. Here, this is also gonna spend some time with this. You'll need to report the total number of volunteers uh, by category, uh, the total hours that they worked, quote unquote, or volunteered, and then all your associated volunteer costs, such as if you're an organization that uh, pays stipends or incentives for response. Sorry about that. Nope, that's okay. Um, and then also in your staffing and labor costs, uh, fire department, of course, total hours worked by individuals who are firefighter EMTs, uh, organizations offering services other than ground ambulance, the total annual hours unrelated to ground ambulance for various services. And then of course, uh, your MPIs are part of a large parent organization. You're gonna have to account for uh, allocated compensation for administrative or facility staff that slide across the entire organization and just break out the percentage and portion that applies just to that NPI. And there again, that might get uh, a little tricky, but it is a requirement. Um, of course, facility costs will be tricky as well. Uh, this is, um, you know, this is the number of facilities you have to report. And believe it or not, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> the uh, reporting tool also requires that you name those locations. So you're gonna have to give a name like Main Station, Fifth Street Station, Avenue E Administration. Uh, you're gonna have to calculate the square footage that's dedicated to ground ambulance. So get out your tape measures, guys, and uh, uh, you're gonna have to figure that out. It's gonna be interesting. And then um, really what they're looking for here is very important is ownership. Do you own the building outright? Is it rented? Is it leased or shared? Uh, and, and also, uh, this is where you're providing direct ground services, uh, not a facility that's used by a contracted entity. And then some of the subcategories are, do you pay rent? Do you pay mortgage? Do you own it outright? Is it a donated facility? And what's the percentage of usage at each location for ground ambulance versus everything else? Now you can see where it gets a little bit down in the weeds and you're gonna to have to do a little pre-calculation. Where vehicle costs are concerned, how many ambulance vehicles do you have? How many non-ambulance vehicles? What's the total mileage that's traveled? Uh, facilities again, like facilities, are they owned or are they leased? And of course, then there's side costs like licensing, registration, depreciation costs on trucks, those kind of things. Of course, equipment supplies, there's costs for that. And the, there's such a long list in the reporting tool. I suggest that you pull it out and review. You know, we're talking everything from biohazard waste to legal and audit fees. So these are all things that will uh, account for in the mix. What are your other costs? Non-medical costs, billing, accounting. Uh, what are you, is your um, uh, fees for uh, any kind of ancillary service that you're buying or participating in as part of operating your organization? And then finally, we're gonna go to the revenue. Now here's where QMC can help you a lot. And you'll see that these are the, um, when you look at the reporting tool, uh, they're looking for us to break out our revenue from 
fee-for-service Medicare, the Medicare Advantage plans, fee-for-service Medicaid, Medicaid Managed Care, TRICARE, Veterans Health, Commercial Insurance, Workman's Comp, and Patient Self-Pay. And that's where our reports here at QuickMed will help you with this. This is a section that, don't stress, we'll be able to pull that down and provide that for you. And then any revenue from other sources such as taxes, contracted services, donations, those of you who have subscription or fund drives, and then the total revenue obviously will be reported as well. Okay, a few more questions as we come to the end here. Uh, we're coming up on, on time here. So a uh, couple questions, gentlemen. When we create a login for NPPES site, can more than one individual also have a separate login? Chuck? Yes, you, you can. Um, so you have authorized officials, you have delegated officials. Um, there is a number of different layers. Um, so if you're not familiar with that, work with our credentialing people, and that is an option. Great. We received an e email from Novitas requesting what data collection period will we, will we be using? Should we expect a letter in addition to the email from the MAC? It's my understanding that notification was going to occur by U.S. Postal Service. So um, I would definitely check into that. I'm not saying that that email is, not in, is, is incorrect, but you may want to just verify that and simply contact the MAC. They're usually pretty receptive in, in communicating. So, uh, but it was my understanding all along, guys, uh, I've got every, everything is U.S. Postal Service. Do you guys concur? I do concur. Yep. Yes. Okay. Uh, would this packet be similar, I think they're talking about the packet we provide, be similar to the AFG Safer Packets, asking questions regarding staffing, city finances, and budgets? Uh, maybe not so. Maybe they're referring to the, uh, the tool here. And I'm, I'm a little bit familiar with the AFG packets, and I think that uh, it may be similar in some respects. Uh, there may be some slight differences, but overall, you may be able to extract data from that packet uh, for the assessment tool for the cost data side. Um, is there an estimated time it will take to complete the data collection and submission? Will it be significant enough to dedicate a full-time person? Really tough question to answer that one. Yeah, I, Gary, I, I think I uh, what I've I read know. in the literature is I, I think they're, I think they're uh, projecting 20 to 25 hours to get this, uh, get the data gathered, but I think that's, that's probably not enough depending yeah. on your circumstance and how much you, you track normally in the, in the general course of business in your operation. Sure. Thanks, Ed. Can we create a login for NPPES or do we need to get that from QMC? Um, I think it depends on how, who created it in the first place. Right. Um, and, and that you can double check with one of our credentialing people. If you wish, you can uh, contact our compliance department. Uh, you can just dial our 800 number, 800-901-1155, and they'll connect you up there, and you can inquire that way. Uh, another question, if we send a BLS ambulance and a paramedic fly car to a call, does that count as one or two responses? Good question. Uh, the way I read the tool, I think that will count as two responses. They wind up working in concert but I, leave the, I believe the response will have to be reported separately. As I uh, reviewed the reporting tool, there are separate questions for intercepts versus the ground ambulance use, the transport ambulance use. Sure. Uh, here's a good one. Our agency has an in-house dispatch, in-house education center, and provider of wheelchair transports under our organization. Will we need to abstract all that separate data? And I think the answer to that is, for the most part, yes. Yes, I believe so. Is there a chart that is easier to read on what needs to be tracked throughout the uh, year, hours, expenses, et cetera? Not to my knowledge. I think most of the information that is out there right now, uh, give you as much as you need, is in the actual assessment tool itself. Uh, there probably will be other documents forthcoming, but right now I think you should pretty much use this as your roadmap. Yeah, print that off. Uh, it's very informative. They have samples of all the, the pathway questions that will come up. And I think if you review that, it'll give you a really good start to what you can anticipate coming through. Okay. 
Great, thanks. As we close here, just wanted to touch on some of the planning and additional webinars in 2019-2020 that CMS uh, will be conducting. I will tell you that we will try to do our best to keep you updated on information as well too, but CMS actually has uh, some great webinars are out there, um, and there's one coming up next week. Uh, it is specifically uh, talking about the data collection instru instrument. Um, I would encourage as many of you as possible, uh, at least from one from every service out there today, to at least uh, take part in that. I think it'll be very informative. They've done a good job with what we've seen so far, and they're trying to minimize uh, the panic, panic and, and challenge that this sometimes presents to folks. So try to take this in as much as you can. Um, and then late 2019 into 20, of course, the data collection for specific types of ground ambulance providers. And then late 2020, there'll be reporting information by the ground ambulance data collection system. There's also a great FAQ that's out there. Um, it will be based on questions asked of CMS. And those are very helpful as far as um, uh, getting through the process. And they will also offer live support. Now, um, I haven't heard anything pro or con about this, uh, but I would try to do as much reading as possible. I think live support may be overwhelmed there in the early stages. What do you think, guys? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, more information about these activities will be posted on uh, the Ambulance Services website within CMS. And this is really where you can get just about everything. Uh, question that, that was asked, but I'll tell you, if you would like a, a copy, a PDF copy of this slide presentation, I'd be willing to send it to you, or you just need the link, just uh, drop me a line and I'll be glad to uh, send it over to you. Of course, much of the information that we received today was from the American Ambulance Association. Uh, I don't know how many of your organizations are members but there's a lot of free information on there if you wish, and there's even better information if you happen to be a member, uh, which we are as well as another, um, another, a number of other organizations are as well too. So uh, you might want to get to their website and take a look, ambulance.org, uh, very, very helpful. So we plan to keep you updated as best we can. We will be hosting uh, additional webinars. Uh, of course, some of you may be familiar with our board and caller podcast. We also have information on cost data collection already on there. This webinar, the audio portion only, will be in the podcast here within the next uh, few days. We'll upload it, do a little bit of editing and put it out there. Uh, so there'll be a number of ways to hear this again. Now, I also recognize that as we approach the end here, some of you probably came online thinking, I got this, and maybe now you're thinking, oh, maybe I don't. And there's some of you thinking like, oh, this is gonna be really challenging that maybe feel a little better. We're seeing a plethora of feelings out there, different feelings, and we understand that. And from an organization standpoint, uh, we're here to help you as far as any questions you have, but uh, try to read as much as you can about this. And don't be nerved out. Like, you know, this is, there's some teeth in this, as I've said, but overall, you'll all get through this. The biggest thing you have to avoid is procrastinating and waiting till the end to get all this done because that's when you're gonna be in trouble. But overall, I think uh, everybody will get through it fine. Use your resources within your own community, within your own department, and of course, your billing agency for that, those specific needs, we're here to help you. Um, Chuck or Ed, do you have any closing comments? Uh, I just wanted to loop back. You know, we have enough gray in our hair to remember freaking out about revalidation. And guess what? We've done two cycles and everybody has survived. So, um, you know what, guys? If you take your time, work together, um, I, you'll get through this. And like Gary said, don't wig out, uh, but keep yourself informed. And uh, uh, this too shall pass. Sure. Ed, anything? Yeah, I think the key is just don't procrastinate. Get ahead of the curve if you can and, and work with the, the resources you have around you, including our team, uh, to help you stay prepared and, uh, and stay ahead of the curve. Thanks, guys. Thanks for your help today, both of you. I appreciate it. And to all of those who have attended today, thank you. Uh, if I did have, again, we can send you the PDF version of this slide presentation if you'd like it. Uh, you can contact me at 412-532-2392. Again, 412-532-2392 or email gharbat at quickmidclaims.com. Uh, and as always, take a look at our education page on our website. 
uh, that has a full listing of all programs that we're um, conducting through the year. Uh, we enjoy doing these for their, our clients and friends. They seem to be very well received and uh, we hope that you'll take us up and attend as many as you can. So with that, I'll say thanks to my colleagues. Thanks to all of you who have attended today. Uh, I wish you all well and hey, be, be safe, safe out, out there. Be safe out there. Hey!